Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today, we're going to be talking about omens, portents, and foreshadowing, clues and hints that you can drop to help your players get a little foreshadowing on what might be coming up ahead. Here in the studio today, my name is Jerry, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, aka DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Okay, guys, so I had this dream, and in it, there were these two ravens flying across the blood moon while a black cat crossed my path. Is that is that bad? You think? I, I think you'll be fine. You I sure? Believe, I believe the meaning of that is no more pizza after nine. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about dropping hints and clues into your games using omens, portents, foreshadowing, prophetic prophetic dreams, um, all in all sorts of different things that you can use to kind of give your players a, a heads up about what's coming up without getting into too much detail, giving away and ruining the surprise, uh, which also kind of sums up how it's a useful tool for game masters. It lets you let your players see what's coming up without ruining the surprise. You can build a little anticipation, build a little suspense and possibly guide uh, the player's kind of in a general direction um, as much as you can normally do for players, which is kind of like hurting cats sometimes. Yeah. You have to be really careful with it because a lot of times when you try to, or at least with me, when I try to foreshadow in my game, uh, if I'm not careful with it, players will pick up on it instantly. So that can be one of the tricks is you have to be sort of subtle uh, with what you're doing, but um, you definitely want to throw some foreshadowing in there to try to get your players or so that when something happens, they look back and say, oh, that was well done. You in know? retrospect, we should have seen this coming. Yeah, something along those lines. But uh, you you need you do need to find out ways to be subtle with it. Um, you know, maybe if you don't have a very good poker face, maybe have it written down on some sort of scroll the players find. Yeah. You know, um, if you if you can deliver it, you know, without seeming ominous when you say his particular line that's the actual foreshadowing thing then you know try that um sometimes it's just hints and clues they come across uh that you can uh give to them so that in the future when they come across something similar they can say oh right and also it doesn't have to be major grandiose you know it can be that later on you're planning on having war break out between the two kingdoms so maybe start with you know people talking about war and some skirmishes on the border and supplies going short and armies starting to stock up and troops moving through town you know all just foreshadowing up to a bigger conflict that's going to be happening down the road the players may need to get involved in yeah, I think one of the another trick for not just keeping it subtle, but also in order to keep if you want to keep the players on their toe and not be able to like zero in all your intentions right off the bat is you have to make sure that you're giving them information that's not foreshadowing. You know what I mean? Because um, one of the big problems, one of the reasons that players are able to zero in and figure out things so quickly is because usually we only tell players things that are important. Like, you know, if they go into a room, we tell them about, okay, well, it's important that you know that there's this, 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 and this in the room. Right. We don't phrase it like that, but we tell them the important details right. of the room. 
But if you're if you're constantly or maybe not constantly, but if you know on average you're giving them a little extra information all the time, information that's maybe not always relevant or important when you want to, you know, in a game where you want to do a lot of foreshadowing or, or omen, you know, bearing kind of deal, then they'll get used to kind of ignoring some of that information. But if you're always telling them only the most important things that they need to that they need to know, you're always telling them just pertinent information, and then you tell them about this random thing, you know, like this this foreshadow or this omen or this dream that they have. They're going to zero right in on its importance, and they're going to try to interpret and translate it. Yeah. Right. And it's referred to in writing as the law of conservation of detail. You you tell people what's important, so whatever you tell them must be important. Mm-hmm. You know, if your players walk into the room and you describe how there's a bookcase and a desk, then they're immediately going to go, okay, what books are there, what's in the desk, so on and so forth. If you bring, oh, there's a bookcase and... Uh, a desk and some chairs there's a fireplace and some paintings hanging on the wall you can't then expect them to say well i want to search under the rug to find the trap door that's there mm-hmm. right because you never brought up that there was a, a standalone rug in the room um, so you have to walk that line between giving them what they want and or giving them what they need and giving them useless information they don't need right yeah Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's a hard line because you don't want to spend all day describing every room just so that there's a, an abundance of information. Just so that way, when they do walk into the room and there's a trap door, they don't instantly go to the trap door knowingly as a player. When the character should still be making some checks or having to look around. Um, so it's definitely yeah. a fine line, but I think that's an important factor for when doing omens and foreshadowing. Yeah, and really, for 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 the omens foreshadowing, this becomes now uh, instead of describing a room, you're describing a plot. You're describing right. events. It's the yeah. same theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, other other types of foreshadowing. Uh, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you can have the dungeon be sort of foreboding and have it maybe kind of uh, have, you know, maybe it's like some giant skull or it looks like uh, the head of a dragon or something like that, you know, or there's the name of the dungeon, you know, so they know, OK, what's probably going to be in here. But if not. Maybe also some some sort of deal where, okay, they're they're going into this dungeon. They keep getting attacked by, you know, fire lizards. You know, every 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 couple of turns they take, there's a fire lizard, you know, and that's maybe your subtle way of telling them, hey, at the end of this thing, there's going to be a dragon, guys. But you don't actually say it. It's just some cave. They don't really know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's some kobolds and some fire lizards around, you know, yeah. and it's in the 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 mountain of earth and fire or something. Yeah. Uh, you or can, it has some I, it, that was just off the top of my head and absolutely awful, but just yeah. some name that like references the the point you're trying to foreshadow. Right, exactly. All right, so like yeah, if you say okay, there's this like caverns in this mountain of fiery death. I mean, it could mean a number of different things, but you know, probably if there's fire lizards running around, that might be mean there's a there's a dragon down there somewhere. And maybe even like the dragon's name translates to flame skull, which is like fire and death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways you can play it. Um, and that's you, a horrible example. Yeah. Mountain of fiery well, death. Don't, don't use that. That's terrible. <laughs> Just off the top of my head. Well, and I mean, that's also a thing where like you can put this stuff together and you have your players go, oh, so X means Y. And like as a DM, you can like smile and nod and give them like yep. like that that knowing like, yeah, you got it. Look, and in reality, you didn't actually plan that. They just figured it out. They, they right. saw a pattern that wasn't there mm-hmm. and you just took credit for it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the advantage of 
while we talked about keeping things subtle and, uh, you know, the another trick is keeping things as vague as possible. You know what I mean? So, you know, you can call it the mountain of fiery death when you don't even know what you're planning on putting at the end of it yet. Exactly. And then at the end, you're like, uh, fiery frigate red dragon, (laughs) fiery death. That works perfectly. Yep. But at the same time, it could be a fire giant or it could be like some super salamander, you know, or, you know, a a fire elemental or, you know, anything fire based or just some undead creature that wields like a flaming sword or something like that. You know what I mean? Or the orcs have a forge there. That's where they make a bunch of weapons. Yeah. 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 Or or just again, like, you know, it could be, you know, oh, it's actually just a, a goblin horde, but like you mentioned with the dragon thing, you know, like, oh, the 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 orc chief I mean the goblin chieftain's name translate to fiery death, quite literally. But Or maybe the mountain of fiery death doesn't have anything in it that would seem fiery or death like. You know, you're going through a dungeon, you're hacking through it. To the but at the end there's a map to a volcano. Yeah, I mean, or it could be, you know, you purposely mislead your players. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really play into the omen thing that we're going for right now. But yeah, you, no, can, not pur- omens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, but, could, you could purposely mislead. I mean, we do that all the time. I mean, that's one of one of the points that we have from our pre-show notes is it's OK to be vague. Vagueness mm-hmm. can be filled in later. Yeah. You know, whether that's you bringing in more details to make players go, oh, that's what he was trying to say. Right. Or players saying, I got it. And the DM going, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you call it the the Dungeon of Fiery Death, and then at the end of it, there's, you know, a, a water elemental. It's like, oh, well, we purposely named it this to throw you off. Right. We're you brought in it. all kinds of, like, water and ice-based stuff to thinking you're going to deal with some fire demon, but it's actually a water elemental that you're completely unprepared for. Oh, I could see ice magic being useful against a water elemental. Yes. Well. Freeze it solid, and now you're fighting an ice elemental. <laughs> um, Quick, melt it. One other thing that I like to do when it comes to, like not so much foreshadowing, but omens and prophecies is let the characters like accidentally stumble upon an omen or prophecy or something that they've already sort of dealt with in a way. Yeah. Um, I did this um, man many years ago. I ran a game where the adventurers were all just going to find some loot in an old temple. They came out with this very unique looking uh, amulet, thought they could get a lot of money uh, for it. So they went over to the city to sell it. And then when they came back to their place to spend their money on the different things that they wanted to spend it on, a lot of it was charity stuff. They then heard this like, you know, mysterious old blind beggar saying this prophecy and described the amulet perfectly and then also described the end of the world. And they're like, huh, maybe we should go find that. Maybe we should go see what that really is. Yeah. Or just have them have the the players come into town and somebody's talking about how the awful whatever is going to end it. And they're like, Oh yeah, no, we took care of that. That's good. Right. Um, yeah, that could happen. Hey, we're the heroes. Uh, I think a trick with that. I would say this for omens and maybe prophecies, definitely omens. I would say the opposite for foreshadowing, but for omens, I think it's okay to lay it on thick and to lay on often. Because sure. omens should be very subtle, yeah, like super subtle, like crows swarming around you kind of thing. Like every now and then you just mention, oh, uh, yeah, there's a, a crow craw- on standing on the fence near you, you know, cawing. And but then again, you know, that means nothing. But when you say, you know, the next day, oh, once again, you know, you guys are hanging out in town. Oh, you just have like, oh, can I just, you know, look around and see what's around you? Oh, yeah, there's a couple crows hanging on the building behind you cawing, you know, just repeating that over and over again because i mean you and a little it. a few more crows each time and yeah yeah exactly you know, like they start to build a number as you get closer and closer to whatever event it is that they might be foreshadowing but again like you know omens are subtle little things i mean especially like in 
as like a TV trope. You know, call all crows hanging around, black cats crossing your path, blood moons, you know, that kind of stuff like that. But they're just, they're little, they're symbolic, you know, like Ed mentioned in the, in the, <laughs> in so the say, dream. So say, it sounds like I heard those before. Yeah. Lightning crashes every time somebody says a specific name. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, Found they're, you like. <laughs> they're symbolic. They're not directly telling you anything. They're just like basically saying like, you know, bad things are coming. And knowing our knowing players, they would find a way to weaponize or use the fact that every time they say this name, there's a crash of thunder. It's like a diversion or something. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, omens and prophecies. I don't think you have to do it, but it definitely doesn't hurt if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with foreshadowing, that just starts getting obvious. Yeah, exactly. You want to be really careful and, and, and limited in your usage for foreshadowing when you're trying to like basically flat out say what's coming without flat out saying what's coming. But with omens, again, I think, again, they're just, it's all little, little symbolic gestures. So the players might not pick up on it the first or second time. It's kind of like the concept of pl- putting clues in a mystery you know, yeah. game. You got to make sure that there's more clues than you think there should be because they seem obvious to you because you planned them. Right. But they might not be obvious to the players. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. I'll, I'll be like, oh, this, they'll get this, no problem. And then they don't. So I have to make yeah, a yeah. roll to find it. Exactly. You have to have, you know, for every one clue you think there should be, there should be two or three. And um, vagueness is also useful for prophecies, um, ambiguous wording, or just yeah. you know, s- symbolism. Um, one of the ones that I did that creeped out my players was uh, they were up against a cult, and the cult's kind of motto prophecy thing was when the master rises, all will serve. And the first that they were exposed to that was there was a cultist that had been captured and gone into an almost catatonic state, and he's just rocking back and forth. When the master rises, all will serve. When the master rises, all will serve. When the master rises, all will serve. And they had this conversation, and I just kept doing that in the background until they got so frustrated that they needed to have the characters leave the room because they're just doing that and trying to figure it out. And then anytime anybody made reference to a master or rising or service or anything like that, the players were like, wait, what's going on with that? Because it has it has to be connected because it was so drilled into them. Yeah, just yeah. that that phrasing. Mm-hmm. And you can also uh, use that sort of thing, uh, omens, prophecies, almost as part of foreshadowing. Right. So obviously, like you're kind of doing that in your example. You know, these cultists are trying to make some sort of master rise, so that's going to happen, or at least that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. That's maybe the idea. players can stop it, or maybe not. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Or maybe, you know, you hear some uh, uh, prophecy or omen as your little adventuring group is trying to go off into their riches and someone says, you know, uh, death will become you at the uh, mountain of fiery death, you know, or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And you go find the fiery mountain of death. It's nothing special. But then you find there's a, oh, there's a map to a secret volcano thing. Huh. You know, and, and again, terrible, terrible example. But, you know, you're... Okay, here's the obvious steps that you think you're putting together, but then at the end you find what maybe they really meant. Right. You know, he's not really talking about this stupid little orc cave, you know. He's he's talking about this thing that you guys are going to go after or maybe going to go after. Or maybe you find a clue that leads you to another clue that eventually leads you to that specific volcano, and there's some sort of like demon summoning happening there and you guys are like, "Well, we got to stop it, but you guys remember when that one guy said that this is where we're going to die?" Just just throwing that out there. You know? Hmm. So are you saying we should let him destroy the world? Yes. Yes, I am. I <laughs> like being alive. Uh, 
Um, and that actually also kind of keys in on one of the other ones we got written down is it's okay if the players don't get it right away. Right. Yeah. Uh, the players, you should probably have them remember it, but they don't necessarily need to understand it immediately. Um, which later brings up that aha moment, which makes your players think that, hey, this guy's been planning out the game this whole time. Right. That's a thing GMs do? Uh, I guess. Um, and your players can also use that um, to plan out their own game. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very successful one where I brought up a, a prof imagery in a prophecy. See, it was in a dream. There's imagery and the players immediately decided to go research the imagery. So off the top of my head, I came up with five, six different options they found. And instead of going where I was expecting the plot to go, they instead started running around, running down these leads to try to figure out what the prophecy was. I got an extra two, three sessions out of the game that I never expected. Fleshed out the characters, you know, a bit more as they're trying to figure out, you know, the various different, you know, well, what actually did happen to this character and who is this guy, even though they weren't connected to the plot in any way. Yeah. Um, But you do want to avoid overdoing it. Yeah, you have to avoid it. It's that fine line to walk between we're going to give enough to make this interesting and we're going to give so much that you just kind of shut down and stop paying attention. Yeah, this is definitely one of those like it's an art, not a science kind of things like, you know, it depends on your group, how quick they are on picking things up, you know, how subtle you are on your your foreshadowing and your omens. Wait, hold on. You mean omens aren't scientific? (laughs) They very much are not scientific. Well, I mean, it depends on who you talk to. Well, you know, I uh, I actually want to go back to something Jerry said uh, about it's okay to make to let players fail or to not see what you're trying to do with these things. It's okay if they don't get it right away. Yeah, it's yeah. okay if they don't get it right away. Um, there's before we've talked about. Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make like a mystery. I'm gonna throw a bunch of clues at my players and see what they come up with. And then as long as we have a fun session at the end, whatever they do do is right. Well, you could also do that thing and say, no, this is specifically what it is, but they have to figure it out. And then they might go instead of figuring out what it is, they might go, you know, like option B where they have a really good reason why, oh, it's this, this person's the one who killed the lady in the dining room with the, the, the meat hook, you know, but they don't, they don't have it right. You know, when you're playing a board game based off of that, it's easy to say, nope, you're incorrect. But in a role playing game, it might be a little harder. So that could be one of those things where, you know, you might set up clues because part of this is about leaving clues to your players. You can set these things up and let them follow them. And I would say most of the time, you know, go with go with what eventually comes through through role playing. But every once in a while, don't be afraid to just they get it wrong they get the clue wrong. Maybe they don't solve the murder. You know, you know, they, they think they do. They put somebody away um, who obviously claims that they're innocent. And then, you know, maybe they're traveling in a, uh, a couple of in-game months later, they come back and that murderer is still at large. Yeah. Another, another murder, same MO. The guy we thought did it was locked in the jail the whole time. Exactly. And you can do that sort of thing, not just off those clues, like for a murder mystery, but you can do that same sort of foreshadowing. So if you're foreshadowing a specific event and they keep thinking, oh, maybe it's this. OK, let them go to that place and or, or let them go with what they think it is. But then after they're done with that, it keeps foreshadowing, you know, or maybe it's an omen there. There's this omen. There's this dream they keep getting and they go and they think they've figured it out. They think they've solved it. 
and you let them party for a little bit, have a little bit of downtime, go on a separate adventure, but then one of them gets a dream. And it's the same dream again. They didn't do it. Yeah. So now they have to figure it out again. That could lead to a series of adventures and that could lead, you know, honestly, that could fuel a, a campaign depending on how you do it. You know, obviously you don't want to set your players up for failure, but them getting it wrong occasionally. I mean, that's not. Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, it's kind of funny. You went down that path. Uh, I mean, yeah. To purposely not sidetrack them so much as, but give them, give them reason to interpret it differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, again, like say you're using like the murder example, like they're after Hannibal Lecter, but along the way, they accidentally thinking that they're interpreting it correctly, but actually misinterpreting have put away several other criminals and like maybe not innocent people. Right. You know, I would think you know it would be much more fun for it to be like, oh, well, this guy actually was murdering people. He's just not the Hannibal Lecter that you were looking. For. Yeah, that could be interesting, too. Like you know a I mean? different killer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, like, OK, well, I'm after, you know, the big bad killer of this region. And along the wall, I'm trying to hunt this guy down, trying to interpret these omens and these prophetic dreams. And, you know, and, and you know, all the foreshadowing that's going on. I'm running into other killers or other murderers or other just criminals in general, thinking that I have it right and putting them away, still doing good and still accomplishing things along the way. So you're not just completely hitting, you know, you're not falling off the rails. You're just kind of hitting little speed bumps. We have not stopped the serial killer. We have, however, caught a murderer that didn't act in the fit of passion, uh, stopped a plot to overthrow the king, uh, took down a ring of bank robbers and found a guy with a lot of expired parking tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, Jared, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually did that in a game that I was running once. I had there were some deaths by stabbing in the back. It was very visual stuff. And then um, they were the players were trying to find this person. And then there was another death, same MO, um, but it was a little bit different. So like, what's going on here? And so basically what it was is there was an assassin in town that was killing a few people. Like he was hired to kill a few people and did it a very specific way. Mm -hmm. But there was also a serial killer in the town who had killed like just, you know, a few people here and there, but decided they wanted to copycat this new MO. Mm. Oh, I'll get away with it because it's it's not really me was sort of the idea. Right. So there was this whole adventure, you know, finding this actual serial killer uh, who was a fun build. He was a crazy uh, uh, barbarian rogue sort of mashup. Um, but anyway, he was he was he was. Uh, it was a fun session. They They were able to bring in the killer and then I was able to do that thing with him where a couple of days later, you know knife in someone's back and they're like, Oh man, you know, a few of them didn't think they really got him, but now it was confirmed, you know? Yeah. I just, I think that could, that could be a nice, like you said, like a whole adventure series or campaign, like yeah. where, and again, by having them still being successful, just on a smaller scale, you're not making them feel like they're not accomplishing anything. Right. They still feel successful. They're still, they're still doing good things, putting away criminals they just haven't gotten to, you know, they haven't accomplished the big, you know, they haven't found the BBEG yet, you know, the big bad evil guy yet. Right. Um, so let's also talk a little bit while we still have time um, about bringing them in, about bringing in omens and prophecies and different avenues that you can use to bring them into your game without, you know, dropping them right on your players and saying, hey, pay attention to this. Um, we've mentioned dreams. Mm -hmm. which was one that we definitely came up with. Um, There's also the uh, 
random soothsayer, which I think Ed yeah. mentioned the blind beggar earlier, yeah. you know, talking about this and, you know, you can have random people on the street, bring it up. Um, rumors in the tavern. You can have ancient tomes of lore that may mention something. Possessed people. Wandering gypsy psychics. Mm. Yeah, there's plenty. Of, there's lots of different options. Um, divine guidance. Um, yeah, I was going to mention another thing, too. I mean, specifically some spells like in D&D, like divination and stuff like that. Like those should be kind of vague, in my opinion, like when yeah. you're fulfilling those spells. You know, I think a lot of people don't go to that as often as they should. Yeah. But it also and both as a player and a DM. I, exactly. I was, I was about to make that point. I don't yeah. think GMs and players go to that as often as they, that's a great spell for that though. You know, mm-hmm. if you, if you like have a prophecy that you want your players to, to know or, or something, you want them to get a word of it, you know, keep in mind, Hey, do I have anyone who's a priest or a paladin? Do they follow a God? Okay. If they pray to this God, I'm going to tell them this thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have the divination spell itself where it says, you know, ask a question and you're going to get some sort of vague response. Exactly. You know, you're going to get like a vision from your God or something like that. That's a perfect opportunity for like, you know, a prophetic vision or dream sequence kind of deal. And I have a cleric I'm playing in our, uh, in our upcoming YouTube VR game. Um, I recently switched out on a spell list to add augury as a divination Mm -hmm. because I had an extra spell that I could have memorized and wasn't sure where to use it. And like having that in your pocket when you need it, it's going to be hopefully a leg up. And we're going to see how that that works out over the next few sessions. That should be good. Yeah. Um, again, like I mentioned, like just like some symbolic but actual physical gestures in the world, like crows, you mm-hmm. know, just swarming around, you know, a certain character. Um, the whole black cat crossing your path kind of deal. Um, there's Jerry a- mentioned thunderclapping. There's a there's a whole list of like old wives' tale, like omens things you could look up on the internet. Yeah, uh, milk going sour. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, flames burning blue. Like the smell of sulfur yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's just kind of general portents of yeah. of ill magic about. Yeah, yeah, just you know like, you know, there always be evil omens these is. <laughs> It'd be a little harder to pull off in a, a gaming group, but perhaps like that mysterious trinket that never seems to leave the group. Right, yeah. You know, it's going to, you know, once someone throws it away and then someone else has it and they throw it away and someone else has it, all of a sudden the players are going to be like, all right, what the fuck is this thing? Mm-hmm. I did um, that. I did that once with a doll. Yeah. My players, they threw it away and it, they wake up in the camp and it's just sitting there staring at them and they toss it in the fire. And the person who threw it in the fire wakes up cuddling with the doll. <laughs> the doll never did a thing except they were unable to get rid of it. Right. They just couldn't get rid of it. And it would, and it would, if like they threw it down in their backpack, it would get out of the backpack somehow or whatever. Uh, I mean, another thing that you can use is, I mean, again, players don't often go to this. I kind of surprised they don't as much as they do, especially if you have like a wizard in your group. But um, because you see it all the time in movies, like the Constantine kind of thing, like something's going on. Let me summon a demon and ask them what they know. You know what I mean? Right. So again, you can do like demon possession kind of deal where like it's, and, and make sure you're playing up to what, like what's going on. Like if it's going to be a demon or devil based kind of thing, then make sure that, you know, there's a demon or I'm not saying you have to, but then it works to have somebody get possessed by a demon and know about this coming plan. Yeah. Obviously not be, obviously be vague about it, you know, not just say, oh, well, this demon's coming and that's all there, there is to it. Yeah. Um, but again, like, you know, looking for information, summoning, 
you know, in in D D, there's magic, and you can contact summon creatures. Other plane. Yeah, contact other planes, and even like that. and even like druids, the animals might know what's going on. Yeah. without necessarily knowing exactly what is yeah, happening might. in terms to describe it, they may have a general. You know, but yeah, they have that sixth sense. They're in touch with nature. You know, like a deer might be like. I, I, I can't tell you how I know this. I just do. But there's a hurricane coming. You know what I mean? Like that kind Stand of thing. Stand back. <laughs> Sorry, I just geeked out for a professional wrestler there. Um, or it could just be, you know, the deer just saying, you know, bad predator coming. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't know that it's a demon. They just know that it's a predator. It's something they need to avoid because that's the terms that they live their lives in. Or yeah. you could even twist it up where every time you talk to maybe as a druid, you talk to animals or plants. Every time you do, they say the same phrase and you have no idea why they're saying that. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you're uh, a, a priest and you're talking to the dead because they were killed in a mysterious way, they, they don't tell you anything except the strange phrase that keeps coming up. And you're like, wait a second, what's going on here? Bad wolf. If you have a <laughs> doctor, Who. that's a doctor who. Yeah. Um, if you have a warlock in your group, they're they're tied to a patron. You know, they can yeah. maybe it's not even words that they they hear for, uh, but they have like almost like this scratching that they can feel in the back of their mind. Just like something's coming, something's off. I can feel this something. You know, especially if they're like the demon. You know, that they went with like the devil pact or whatever. Like the I feel like this scratching in the back of my skull, and I can't. It won't go away, and I can't figure it out. So then maybe they try to actually make contact with that patron. Right. And then get some oh, sort of foreboding. Well. Yeah. Some yeah. sort of foreboding sentence again, something that might just be repeating, you know, along the lines of, uh, well, you know, along the lines of the whole animal thing or the, the possessed person just rambling and ranting a, a sentence over and over again. But there's, there's just, there's a lot of avenues that you, you know, I'm sure there's even more you can think of. If it's, uh, a game based with technology, all of a sudden the TV pops on and says, you know, maybe it's just static, but amongst the static, you think you hear a voice. Yeah. And, you know, any kind of thing like, like just watch, watch some horror movies. They're really good at doing, yeah. you know, omens and, and prophecies and, and a lot of tons of foreshadowing in most, especially horror films like the, the omen, omen or yeah, the, the prophecy. prophecy. <laughs> um, no, actually another good one where I got a lot of the, uh, the old wives superstition folklore. Oh, I really hope this is the correct one. Is Warlock, where there's the the witch hunter from medieval times comes to modern day to pursue the witch. And yeah, that's Warlock. Yeah, yeah and there's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and there's a they use a lot of the you know superstitions and uh, stuff like that. That just just great flavor of mm-hmm. okay, this is just general importance and omens and wards and stuff like, Oh, use a hang a brass key over the door to stop evil spirits from coming through. Mm-hmm. Great folklore type stuff. Yep. Yep. Oh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of material out there. Again, if you just search on the internet, like omens and foreboding or something like that, I'm sure you can just find a list of things to watch out for. And of course, and then use, there's always the very, very dangerous option. Um, TV tropes. Oh, yeah. You go <laughs> um, there, you're going to be lost for a while. Yeah, but they, they have a lot of information there on different uses and different uh, media of, you know, omens foreshadowing and all that that can help give you a little bit of idea of what you can do in your own game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the the summary is be selective in your foreshadowing. Feel free to overuse omens if you need to. And, and not ev- not every clue has to lead has to lead where they think it's yeah, going to lead. Keep, keep it vague. 
because you know the vaguer but some should yeah the more vague yeah. it is the more you can figure out the details later yep and again if the players don't get it right off the bat that's fine the longer it takes them to figure it out the more of a genius you appear to be when they finally do figure it out and the better they feel when they crack the code right yeah exactly yeah. So we're going to wrap it up there. You can definitely feel free to get in touch with us. Let us know any uh, questions or comments you might have on topic or just share stories about how you might have used omens and portents and foreshadowing in your game. Um, We can get in touch with us on Facebook to like, comment and subscribe or send us a note on Twitter. We are available the handle GMS Studios. You can also show your support with us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Game Masters Studio, and you can support, get access to exclusive upcoming content and uh, some other information that we may be sharing only there, or at least get an early notice there. Um, We are back each week with new content, and if you have anything you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, also, as a heads up, you can catch us. We did an interview on the Geektitude podcast that will be coming out uh, shortly if it's not already out. And we'll uh, get you information on that when that's available. We will also be doing a question and answer panel live at PortCon in Portland, Maine on June 23rd at 11 a.m. Um, and then of course, the convention runs all weekend. Feel free to drop in and check them out. And we'll uh, wrap it up for now, but we'll see you next time that we're back here in the studio.